I'm your host, Scotty Sheepwolf Sunfall. I hope you had a badass and blessed week. Many thanks to you for spending your Tuesday night with the Legion and I. Tonight's episode is part 10 of the Defending God Evangelism Track. As always, let's open the open prayer. Alright, dear Holy Father. Lord, thank you for, for allowing me to uh, continue with this podcast. Lord, I'm so close. So close to being done this season. Lord, it's been a, been a trying season for me. But with your help, Lord, I can do all things. Lord, just thank you for gathering us up all here tonight. As always, we just ask that you Guide us, protect us. And may we grow closer to you every day, Lord. And may we always keep our eyes in your word. And may we seek your truth every day. Thank you. And may Yeshua pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Alright, guys. If you have any questions or concerns, you can contact me at Blade. 99 at gmail.com or you can hit me up on Facebook. Lastly, the Leaves of Adai website is officially up and running. You can swing over and visit at www.leavesofadai.com Alright, so last week Defense Attorney Sheep Wolf finished up explaining how he deals with disability. Then he went out to explain that Apostle Paul also dealt with some sort of illness, most likely blindness, which kept him humble because of the supernatural encounters that he had received. He was given no chances to boast. The most important thing to remember is that weakness can also be a strength. This is just one reason for illness. The next purpose for illness is punishment for disobedience. The example Mr. Sheepwolf used was the ten plagues of Egypt, such as sores and infections, and viruses. The reason why God did that to Egypt was because Pharaoh refused to give the Israelite, Israelites their freedom. Having slaves seemed more important to him than avoiding the wrath of God. Then Mr. Sheepwolf tried reaching out to the courtroom audience by saying that the Israelites were God's chosen people, and he couldn't just sit back and watch them be abused inhumanely. No father on earth will allow their children to be harmed by anyone. They would rain down holy hellfire upon the evildoers. My point is, before we the point is, before we cast judgment on our Maker, we should first see things in His perspective. It's unfair to only look at one perspective and ignore the other 
There is no wisdom in that. Okay, brethren, tonight we will learn about the importance of discipline and the rewards of obedience to God. Also, the final accusation will be confronted. The accusation that God allows war, and that he is a heartless warmonger, is going to be another long one tonight. So please bear with me. All right, let's begin. Before you think to yourself, wow, God is an overbearing tyrant. Why would I ever worship the God of wrath and suffering? Please hold on. I would not be in defense of God if he was only known for wrath and suffering. Let's take a look at God's nurturing and caring side. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, do what is right in his sight. Give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Jeremiah chapter, or Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 6 to 8. Behold, I will bring to it health and healing, and I will heal them, reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel, and rebuild them as they were at first. I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me. I will forgive. I will forgive all, all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. Psalms chapter 103, verse 2 through 4. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all their iniquity, and who heals all their diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 39. See now, see now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. And there is none that can deliver over my hand. I tell you the truth. God is dynamic and balanced. He is a perfect father figure. He, reward, he rewards his children when they are obedient. And he disciplines his children when they disobey. If that makes him evil, then every father on earth is evil. If you were, if you were reading this, and you yourself are a father, you can relate to the concept of disciplining and rewarding. You don't enjoy disciplining your children. But you understand the necessity of it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 through 12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Discipline is not an act of wrath or hate, but of love. Children need to be taught boundaries for their own good. Discipline protects them in the end. It also builds up character and morality, because discipline teaches righteousness.
Proverbs 10. And I can't believe I forgot to uh, add the verses. Well, I gotta fix that little error. Alright. A wise son makes a glad father. But for the son is the grief of his mother. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing. But righteousness delivers from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to furnish. But he casts away the desire of the wicked. He who has a slack hand becomes poor. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers the summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. God disciplines us so that we can learn the proper ways to walk out our lives. Yes, punishment hurts. Initially, we despise it, just like children do. Hebrews chapter 12, 11. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Discipline is a gift. In late life, many people reflect on it. Many heroes are born through discipline. War heroes, for instance, are trained and endure months of correction. After it is all said and done, they become the treasure of our society. Remember, remember through the annals of history. Now imagine being trained by the creator of the universe. The Bible tells us the glorious promise that, that awaits those who obey God. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. Now that was just a taste of the promises that await those that cherish righteousness. I'll list these promises for the jury to prove that God's discipline is truly a blessing. Promise 1. Long life. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Promise 2, protection. Psalms chapter 5, verse 11. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as with the shield. Promise 3. Gladness. Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Promise 4. Great peace. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Promise 5. Answers to prayer. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. And whoever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. And do those things of pleasing in his sight. To, to conclude that God sometimes uses sickness to correct and to discipline, the answer is clear. It's to give us a chance to reevaluate our choices. He truly has a desire that we obey him so he can give us life 
more abundantly. At this inclination, I ask you, the members of the jury, please throw out this ludicrous case. It's abundantly clear that the prosecution has a vendetta against my client, and he is using the plaintiff's biblical ignorance to accomplish, to accomplish his agenda. Please consider all the evidence I have presented thus far. My client has shown extreme patience while his name has been drawn through the mud. This trial is unjust. So far I have seen no wrongdoing perpetrated by God. If I haven't convinced you yet that this is a kangaroo court, I still have plenty of evidence left. Let's continue. So we've learned about two reasons behind why God allows sickness. One, it can be used to increase someone's humility and increase their spiritual growth. Two, it can be used for correction and punishment. There are still two Two more reasons for sickness and disease left. For me to cover, if you observe the world around you, you will notice that death, illness, and poverty is a universal fact. In truth, there is an explanation for all of it. And that explanation is sin. If we read the first book, the Bible, Bible, Genesis, we will discover that death is introduced into the world by the first of mankind, Adam and Eve. My client witnessed that tragic event firsthand. He warned Adam and Eve if they would have just heeded the warnings, all the tragedy and heartache we endure today could have been avoided. Let's examine the event in question. Moment by moment. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion or the fish of the sea, or the birds of the air, nor the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. My client, whom you accuse of wrongdoing, is actually responsible for giving you life. The very air you breathe is his property. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. My client gave very simple instructions to Adam, nothing cruel or unusual in the least. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. At first, God's orders were followed and honored. But things took a turn for the worst. Eventually, my client became sympathetic and concerned for Adam because he was working in the garden and tending to the rest of creation without any help. My client showed great love and care concerning the physical and mental well-being of Adam. In response to this injustice, God decided to get, get Adam some much-needed assistance. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 through 22, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. 
and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. The woman who was made, we know her as Eve, the mother of all living. Of great compassion, my client created women so that men would have to exist in complete solitude. We owe the defendant a thank you, but instead we put him on trial. This has been the most perverted act of injustice I've ever witnessed in my 17 years of experience. Careful, Mr. Sheepwolf. You're under oath to carry out this trial without disturbing the peace. Do I make myself clear? Judge Grimm said with a stern glare. Your Honor, I don't mean to cause controversy. But I must speak against the blatant act of character assassination. I'm a man of justice and truth. And I don't see any being carried out today. I've had enough of your bleak heart, Mr. Sheepwolf. You are not the foul say here. I am. Judge Grimm snapped. I thought to myself, Oh boy. The righteous indignation is going to get me locked up in a padded cell. But whatever. This is my final stand. Against falsehoods, I'm going down swinging. My bully responded with, When this is all over, we will, we will both witness who the real authority is. Mr. Sheepwolf, I'm only going to say this once. Continue with this trial or leave in handcuffs. These are your only options. Lloyd, they could not defend God behind bars. I immediately submitted to the threat. Your orders are understood, Your Honor. I will continue the trial. I got plenty of this left to prove my client's innocence. After the defendant Grand Eve a very suspicious individual, came on the scene shortly after. This character, getting ill intentions, stalked Eve and confronted her. Genesis, chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, As God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, while well, the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, like good and evil. It's because of this event that sin entered into the world, thus placing all mankind in their curse. This is the reason for much of the suffering in the world. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. To Adam he said, Because you have heard the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I command you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Lastly, 
Sickness and disease can be associated with demonic activity. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 to 18. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, taking down to him, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Did Jesus answer and said, Faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. A child was cured from that very hour. Luke chapter 13, verse 10 to 13. Now he was teaching the word of the synagogues of the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman, woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. It was bent over and could, it, and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw he he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. To sum everything up, God sometimes uses sin or Satan to inflict physical suffering even when suffering isn't directly from God. He will still use it according to his perfect will. Though it is undeniable, God does intentionally allow or cause sickness to accomplish his sovereign purposes. I know this is hard, it's hard to fathom. The suffering can benefit us in the long run. There's a great passage in the book of Psalms that explains the benefits of affliction. Psalms 119, or Psalms chapter 119, verse 67 through 71. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, and now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me. But I'll keep your precepts with their whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease. But I delight in your law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. That I may learn your statutes. So you see, it is still obedience it teaches us to follow the path of righteousness. Honestly, this is no different than the, than the parent disciplining a child. Yeah, the punishment hurts, but it helps the child in the end. Suffering from illness sucks, don't get me wrong, but it will make us stronger. It shouldn't make us lose faith. Because the prize makes every bit of suffering worth it. What 70 years of suffering to eternity? It's a walk in the park. The reward is astronomical. Bring on the suffering, I say. Now, members of the court, this accusation of my client just indiscriminately handing out sickness a disease is just plain ignorant. This is a very complex concept that requires an unbiased look and a deep study of the scriptures. The plaintiff, an atheism in general, already has placed God and Christianity in a negative light. 
yet without even considering the totality of Scripture, how, how can you come to a proper conclusion when you're missing 50% of the information? If there are any atheists in this audience, I beg of you, seek out all Scripture and you will learn unforgettable truths. Your Honor, may I speak once more with the plaintiff? I asked Judge Grimm, you may, Mr. Sheepwolf, but if I sense any disrespect towards this trial or my authority, I'll enter defense. I will. It will be null and void. Got it? Grim added. I nodded agreement. Then immediately turned to the prosecution. Of course, that displeased Mr. Penta. But we all know I stopped caring about his feelings for some time now. That ship has sailed. Now that I reach Mr. Atheist. Without receiving a face full of bad boots, spit, Mr. Atheist, I have nothing against you personally. I also can say that my client does not wish to harm you. In fact, he wishes to befriend you. Now understand your initial concerns. You came here with a, with a mind dead set to everything that you've ever been told by your fellow atheist brethren, or maybe from a college biology professor with undeniable truth. You took out these supposed facts and have adopted them, in turn making them a part of your identity. You say there is no God, and others say that God is all the things that you have accused him of. But don't you see the contradiction in that? No God versus God is evil. How can an entity that doesn't exist the evil. The truth is, God is merely 15 feet to your left. Mr. Atheist, you obviously believe in God because you wouldn't be here if he didn't exist. Mr. Atheist, you are loved more than you could ever know. Please drop these allegations. I promise you. You won't regret it. Then, all of a sudden, Mr. Penta exploded, exploded, his exploded guts out of place. He slammed his right hand hard onto the, onto the table between the plaintiff and I. Then he whispered to his client, Mr. Atheist, are you listen to me? You are not here to be swayed, but to sway. Don't you see? Mr. Sheepwolf is scared of you. We got this in the bag. God in Christianity is disgusting. I know it, and most importantly, you know it. Hold your ground. I demand it. You paid heftily for my services. Don't blow it. Mr. Atheist angrily whispered back, You know what? It's not Mr. Sheepwolf that's scared. It's you. I'm starting to think it is all about the money for you. I just want the truth. Don't you? What if we are wrong about God? If we don't win, it won't just be your paycheck on the line. I'll be countersued.
for defamation. Hearing this, I took the opportunity to gain Mr. Atheist's trust and to show him that the one whom he accuses is not ruthless. He's not out to annihilate everything he sees. Mr. Atheist, after everything I told you, you still don't understand. How many times have I offered you chances to drop the charges? And for the record, my client is the one that told me to offer you a chance to reconsider, yet you persist in the charges. If my client is truly what you claim, why would he be reaching out to someone? that wishes him, and those that believe in him, harm. Please give up this silly crusade. You're only hurting yourself in the long run. There's a great verse that might apply to your situation. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses renounces them finds mercy. Andy. Say you fear being countersued. I'm heartbroken that you think God is going to ruin you. Man plots and schemes, vengeance, but God does not operate on the same plane. After all the things that you and Lucian have said during this trial, my client has kept his cool. Not one outburst has been acted out by him. I can't say the same for Lucian and I. For we are sickened by the nature of sin. As for you, you harbor great bitterness and hate towards the idea of faith. With that said, I beg of you, do not become a empty and pitiful man like Lucian. Alright, brethren, let's take a bell break. Tonight's feature soundtrack is titled Bones, and it's off of Gold, Frankincense, Murs, Lace AP, Operation Takeover. This song, I believe, talks about the agony of betrayal. It's a heartfelt punch to the face. Enjoy my dudes.
Okay, that's the track. Now I must address your public accusation. This has been a grueling battle. I hate that it has come to this, but I am a warrior of the faith. I tried to reason with, fairly with you. I presented the evidence to you and the world. I had the best intentions for you. My goal was to soften your heart, to help you discover the written truth. Mr. Atheist, I'm walking away from you now. I wash my hands of you. I'm no longer responsible for your soul. Ezekiel chapter 3, 18-19 When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. And you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked ways to save his life. That say wicked man shall die is inequity. Let his blood require in your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. But you have delivered your soul. This is my final offer, Andy. I've showed you mercy thus far. But if it comes down to you or my faith, I must forsake you. I can't continue to allow myself to give information just to have you spit on it. I'm no longer going to try and convince you that you lack proper understanding. The scriptures are revealed to you in the world in the true context. Context that has been missing for the hearts and minds of the masses for decades. Now God has given you free will. You can either accept my offer, shake my hand, or you can tell me to go pound sand. I won't lose any sleep over your decision because I have already received my reward. I have led you to the truth, placed my career on the line for the truth, and endured the wrath of the prose prosecution. Not to mention, I nearly was escorted out of the process, yet I remained steadfast. Because the scriptures have foretold, that the believers would suffer these things. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 to 12. Oh. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you, falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets, Glory before you in all honesty. I actually should be thanking you, Andy. Oh, don't worry. I haven't forgotten about you either, Mr. Penta. Thank you for all the harassment. By now, I've lost count of the rewards that I'll be receiving. Andy, so what will it be? Are you going to drop your charges? Or are you going to fall through with them? You have all the evidence against them. Then Mr. Atheist then looked at me and said, Look, Mr. Sheep Wolf, I have no choice but to fall through with the accusations. The whole population of atheism is counting on me to destroy the Christian faith. What do you think will happen to me if I fail? I cannot allow myself to surrender to your evidence, because if I do, all my friends and family won't think twice about disowning me. I appreciate your outreach, but I'm sorry. I have decided to stand firm on my statements. This reply from Andy saddened me deeply, because what I got from him was fear. Not fear from the 
repercussions of making false accusations. The fear from people within his own community. I feel that the reason why atheism is so hostile is because its followers are not allowed to entertain the idea of spirituality. In other words, if an atheist decides to go outside of the narrative, they are immediately reprimanded and are forced to fall back in line. Much of the hostility is within the atheist community. They are forced to have a hive mind mentality. I replied, Then you understand that I must remain steadfast by evidence showcase. I just need you to know that the Christian community welcomes you with open arms. If you indeed are ostracized from your community, even though you hate us, we will never hate you. We are told to pray for those to persecute us. Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Mr. Atheist, please stand up. And he looked at me in confusion and said, What for, Mr. Sheepwolf? To prove the true nature of God's people. And I immediately put out my hand, giving Mr. Atheist a gentleman's handshake. Then I whispered, When this is all over, dinner is on me. I know of a great steakhouse in town. In astonishment, Eddie whispered back, Why are you doing this? With a smile, I responded, Like they're not, we are brothers, both made in the image of God. It's a shame, Mr. Sheepwolf. You've had long enough. We need to move on to the final accusation, Judge Grimm ordered. Yes, Your Honor. Well, Andy, duty calls. I'll see you on the other side of this kangaroo court. Remember, I don't hate you. But my God comes first. There are feelings, understand? But know this, Andy. I'm taking you down. Downtown, that is. I would like to see you try, bro. Andy winked. Then looked... I then looked all right, Mr. Penta. If looks could kill, this was the atomic bomb of looks. I could tell that he was losing control of his client. Did he do it? Whereas the court, I would now like to address the plaintiff's fellow accusation. The accusation that my client loves atrocity in war. Let's begin. Okay, brethren. Please pinch my skin to make sure you're still alive. Because I think I died 30 minutes ago. Dang, I need my inhaler. I think my left lung collapsed. My nose is bleeding. Now that was brutal. Gonna go on autopilot near the end. The final part of the defending God evangelism tract awaits. Not to mention the the first the final episode of the first season of Legion Anti Podcast. It's been a ride for sure. For sure. Until next time, stay frosty and slay on. Hoorah!